If you were to take just the number one country songs this guy has written, and let's say their average length is 3 minutes, 30 seconds. If you were to play them back to back to back, you're going to be listening to a lot of great songs for just over three hours. I'm Tom Maley, and this is Write You a Song. With his current tally of number one songs at a ridiculous 51, Ashley Gorley seems to have a gear nobody else has. I'm not even going to attempt to read through the awards he's won and honors he's received, but it takes up 16 lines on his Wikipedia page, and he's done it all in just over 10 years. Even more remarkable, Ashley didn't even grow up singing. He's never been in a band. He's never sought stardom as an artist. He was into music, though. He can play piano and guitar. Uh, He loved MTV. He DJed through college. He studies how songs and melodies and beats are put together, and he always has. And even more remarkable than all of that, he's still incredibly humble, still quick to deflect credit to co-writers and artists. And maybe the only thing he loves more than songs and songwriting might be basketball. Ashley Gorley, now on Write You a Song. We were just talking, getting ready for this. You're a basketball guy, and one of my notes is literally, you're like Michael Jordan or Larry Bird when it comes to songwriting. It is hard for the average person to understand how you can be writing amongst the best in the world and still be that much better and it just it, it kind of boggles the mind. I, I don't even know how many number one songs you've written now. It's over 50, I think. Do, do you ever just step back and go, what the hell? Oh, yeah. Well, yes. Yes and no, right? Like, I never, I'm like, oh, how did this happen? I don't want to look up for a minute because then it may stop, you know, so we just keep it rolling. But, uh, but, yeah, no, I don't take any of that for granted. It's very, with the, you know, the class of writers I get to work with and artists, it's really fun to, uh, you know, continue to have stuff that they, care about saying and want to sing and that's we we always we never take that for granted we still celebrate if something comes out on a friday on you know streaming services or hear a song on the radio it, it's i mean it's still like we all go crazy you know um that does that doesn't get old at all in fact it kind of gets harder and harder uh, as it goes just to keep on coming up with new stuff to say but um no definitely i appreciate those references i would not put myself in those categories but uh <laughs> definitely it's, it's definitely a workout you got to put the work in and practice so you know it's kind of like the last dance and all that where you got to be in the you got to be in the rooms and in the gym and so i'm doing plenty of brainstorming and all of that you definitely can't let up but also one of the things that, that that separates you you put in the work like you know great ball players um but unlike fierce competitors you know, who talk trash on each other and, and, and want to, you know, bury the other guy with a game-winning three. Um, you just mentioned it, Nashville songwriting community. You guys celebrate each other. You want everybody to win. Yeah, yeah, most people most people do that. Um, there's probably always like, ah, you know, but, but definitely I feel like once you get to a point and you know you got beat out um, by a better song, then I definitely text a lot of people and I get a lot of texts from um, some of the best when they're like, dude, this is amazing. Or, you know, like, oh, I love how you did this. This melody's crazy. That stuff keeps me going. So I always am honest. You know, the stuff I love, I always try to figure out, get the writer's number and be like, hey, man, you knocked it out of the park right here. I feel like that's important, especially younger guys. And not not that it matters if I text them or not. But just I just want people to know when they, you know, do something that I couldn't do that's incredible and that's, you know, everybody's loving. So we definitely support each other. It's a, it's a good, like, competitive, healthy you know, vibe. We all kind of write together. I'll write with, you know, anybody. Yeah. There's not really not really a crew that I you know, hopefully am not at least a guest star in occasionally as far as writing circles go. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I mean, it's funny that you're kind of inspired and trying to win, but not at any cost. You're just like, that's why we've all been getting together lately. A lot of us just 
you know, sometimes we'd be like, well, let's all four of us get in here. I'm sure that we can do something. You know, I like this song by this guy, this song by this, you know, this girl or whatever. So it's really, it's really a, a community of people. Um, and that's, that's probably my favorite thing about it, to be honest. And you, you have a quote that um, I want to, I was going to save this for later, oh. but I'll, I'll hit it right off the bat. Uh, and it's, and I, I'm not sure when you said this, but it's, it, you said, it, referring to other songwriters and yourself, we all still think we suck and we need people to record these things to help us think we don't. Is there a little bit of uh, <laughs> insecurity that drives you guys too? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't. I know that's funny. I don't remember saying, I don't remember hardly anything, but I don't remember um, saying that. But de- de- I, de- I definitely agree with that um, emotion. We do, we do all think, I mean, cause I think that's what, if you think you've arrived somewhere and it's like, okay, this is it. Um, and at least the people I work with and, and myself and my team and my, you know, my writers that write in my publishing company and all that, you, know, you never feel like you get, like you're there. Like, Oh, I figured this out. Um, we definitely don't think it's like the longer you go, the less you think you have figured out, you know? Um, the further away from the prize you feel like you, you know, like you are. Uh, so, you know, definitely we all are like, oh, I bet this is terrible, but what about this? I mean, that's usually how writing sessions sound. Like, hey, let me do this terrible melody real quick and see if any of it's worth salvaging. You know, it's not like, watch this. You know what I mean? Um, but again, we, we know we know what we can do. We can, you know, we know that somebody's going to come up with the, the thing that flips it on its head and it gets it to that, to that next level of something somebody would want to record and, you know, we just kind of go around the room and hope, you know, hope one of us does that, you know, during the course of a day. But we we definitely, we're like the uh, most confident, um, completely, un, you know, non-confident people, uh, the combination <laughs> of that out there, I would say. But like, why do I do? Yeah, it literally goes from like, oh my gosh, we, you know, we had, we had a good day yesterday. So it was like, oh, we crushed that. We were all over it. And then, you know, today it could be like, why I have to quit? Like, why are we doing this? Why do I even come to why do I show up anymore? You know, it, it is a high and low and in all seriousness that it is an emotional high and low that just like, I mean, a really, really, really jagged set of peaks and uh, valleys there that can vary by the hour, you know, by the day, but also by the hour in the session, we're like, why can I not come up with this? I've already done all this. So this is not good. Um, and then, then somebody lands on some magic and it makes it all worth it. You got to minister the art of handling it. You know, do, do you come from a musical background, musical family? <clears throat> No, not really. Uh, I come from uh, Danville, Kentucky is where I'm from. So it's like a farm and factory town. There's a college there, Center College. Um, but yeah, growing up, people just didn't like the jobs they did to earn money, period. But I was uh, I was in my room trying to watch you know new MTV videos and had headphones on trying to learn to scratch records and uh, DJ parties since I was 12 and was just obsessed with like, why is this song so good? Like, why is this song so good slash popular slash why does everybody love it? You know, so um, for some reason, that was kind of the switch that flipped me. I was, I've never been in a band ever or tried to sing or anything like that. I'm kind of a, an outlier in that respect. A lot of writers I know are like, try to do their own thing and then they end up figuring out that their their best lane is writing songs for other people. But I've never written a song for myself. Um, I just always want to help artists say the right thing the way they want to say it. And I feel like I can can help with that and that's kind of what my gig is but no n- nobody like nobody was sitting around playing uh you know guitar around the fire or anything like that growing up my grandmother had a piano um at her house that i would go kind of noodle around on when i was there and they taught me to taking a uh a couple stints of piano lessons which i could not follow and ended up i can't read music still so i kind of bailed on those but um music was always like they they appreciated that i did it they never were like that's a waste of time or they never thought me moving to Nashville was crazy. And, and that's kind of their contribution 
uh, as far as growing up, my family was like, well, yeah, if you love that, you should do it. That'd be awesome. Like people, that, you should find something you love and figure out a way to make money at it instead of, you know, instead of getting a job and hoping you like it, you know? And so that was what kind of carried me through, you know, those decisions of, of getting me here and all that. Do you think that, that your little stint <clears throat> DJing in college um, helped you sort of understand what, what makes a hit? Because you're watching people go out on the dance floor for certain songs yeah. more than they are for others. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Even, um, yes. And I would even put, I mean, I listen to every countdown, you know, on the radio with a country countdown, pop countdown, you know, MTV raps, hip hop stuff. I love hip hop and R and B and nineties music. And, uh, you know, we kind of say those countdowns and be like, why did, how does this song get to be number one or three or 50? You know, I always thought that was interesting. Cause I was like, who, who decides that? And I would hear songs be like, how does this sound this way? Like, how did they do this? You know what I mean? Like, uh, who made that up? And, and I always just thought, just like everybody else, that is just like Matt, the artist just spits it all out somehow and plays it, um, and didn't know that there were you know songwriters that were contributing you know outside the project to to that. But yeah, definitely DJing. And then I did that more in you know middle and high school. I had a buddy, um, my best buddy in high school, Derek, and I would always like do parties and try to come up with a list and be like, okay, now it's time for a slow jam, boom, or here's a you know you get everybody hype and do this. So yeah, seeing people you know react to music. Um, the way they do. And we even got to do it um, a couple of years ago, Jesse Frazier and I just as a really fun gig opening for um, Thomas Red out on the road, just a little DJ pre-gamer. We got to get out there and play some old school, some old school songs to get everybody hyped before he comes out. So yeah, definitely. I mean, I think just, just kind of being obsessed with music overall. And back then it was in TV and now it's, you know, new music Friday and everything else that comes along with that. And just wanting to hear like, okay, what, what's out there. And, uh, you know, checks going around about, have you heard the new this? And what about this? And what's the next thing they're going to come out with? That that excitement is not, you know, has not fallen at all for me um, since I've been in the business. So it doesn't sound like you were necessarily bouncing around in an old truck listening to Merle Haggard when you were growing up. What what drew you to country music? I was music? not. Did, did you, um, were you a country fan as well? Were you just a fan of all music? I was a fan of all music, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I always appreciated the things I think were harder for me to figure out what was going on, you know, so the more complicated stuff, which whether that's like, where did this beat come from? You know, in a hip hop song where like new Jack swing nineties, Teddy Riley, Babyface, those chords, the more intricate stuff. I was really blown away by all that, but country lifestyle. I mean, we had a tobacco farm and it was a very country town and all this stuff. You know, we did all the stuff in country songs. So once I got into writing country, then that stuff came naturally and it wasn't, you know, fake at all. And it was like, okay, I, I know this, I, we've been here, we've done that. And I was able to articulate that. Um, but yeah, I just loved, I mean, I remember like my, my grandmother in particular having like Randy Travis, Reba McIntyre, um, Kenny Rogers, George Strait, stuff like that. And there was a time when I remember watching an award show or something um, with my parents or her or something and being like, okay, this is a pretty awesome song here. This Randy Travis, whatever, you know, on the other hand, deeper than a holler, whatever it was, was a little, little, you know, very young under 10, um, kid you know watching watching that stuff and just trying to figure it out but i was always i was always more mesmerized you know with the musicality of pop r&b hip-hop and then and then those lyric flips on country started reeling me in and once i got to nashville and interned at some publishing companies then i started um then i was eating it up or even even before i got to town you know my high school year i was all about straight out of the box short straight and garth and Mm -hmm. diamond rio and blackhawk and everything kind of going on in that era and so that's when it became a big, you know, just whole conglomerate of everything and uh, bouncing from one thing to the next and just trying to take it all in and and figure out, you know, what I was going to do. Uh, 
you know, once I got out of high school. Now, I read that you, you are you feel like you're you're better at melody than you are necessarily at at, at writing, but you are also a lyricist. Have you always been like? Uh, did you like to write yeah, as a yeah, kid? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know which one of the, it's like. It varies by the day which one of those I'm better at. I actually write both of those at the same time. Um, I've never been able to like. Here's a lyric. Put a melody to this, or here's a melody. You should write a lyric to this. I know that, that hmm. you know a lot of classical musical greats did it that way. When I hear a song, it usually is, is lines and melody at the same time. Like if I were to sit down tonight um, and try to come up with a song, I wouldn't just sit there and type lyrics. I would run the voice memo and just yell out stuff, you know, like with, with a melody mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. So I always kind of attack it full on. Like if somebody's like, oh, what about a song called this? I'd be like, okay, what if it went like this? And either I'm playing piano or I'm just singing out loud or I'm singing over a, a vibe or a track somebody has. Um, but I like for all of it, the birth of the song to happen really quickly um, and to kind of get out like, hey, I think the whole thing would go like this. Here's a five or ten minute rundown of what we could do. And then we go back and pick it apart, you know, for the next however many hours. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I always used to write short stories and poems, and I like that. Like I'm, if I'm watching a TV show, I appreciate the writing and the dialogue and, the, you know, all those textures throughout there. So, um I, I kind of have an equal appreciation for both. I just know that um, if you want somebody to hear the lyrics, then I feel like the melody has got to be great. And so I've always, you know, not prioritized the melody, I wouldn't say, but I definitely, I definitely set out um, to, to not let the melody um, disappoint. You know, and I think that's a, that's kind of the, the era of country, you know, that we're in right now where there's a lot of melodic and cadence and rhythmic content that might not have been there, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah, I think a good example of that and a song that um, I, I wanted to ask you about, um, I, re- I read when you were talking about T-shirt and how proud you were of the lyric kind of interplay that's going on and the imagery in there. But then you're also really proud of just how that song turned out melodically because it is completely the first time you played it. You know, it, that that's one of those songs that just makes you sit up, you know, a jaded radio DJ sit up and go, what is this? And and you're not yeah. sure at first whether you like it or not. It's like this. It's so right different and that's it that is that what you're talking about is that kind of what you're striving for more often than not yeah i mean and it depends on it depends on what if there's somebody we're aiming for or not sometimes we're wanting a classic and we want to keep it simple so you your attention is drawn to the lyrics you know depending on the song but yeah things like t-shirt or that's my kind of night or you know some of the some of the songs that are very groove oriented that start with a vibe we almost kind of lay out the music first like with t-shirt they played how they wild track that i was like i don't even know what these chords are i don't even know what's going on but i we should yell this out on top of it it was very spur of the moment um as far as just you know the way that song got going and that's one thing that's happened in the last several years is you know instead of sitting down with a guitar which i rarely rarely do or sitting at a piano a lot of times it's just like acapella coming up with stuff or somebody's got a little musical bed a simple musical bed and we're all yelling stuff out over top of it um which is my favorite way to do it because that way I'm all top line, I'm all melody and lyric, not thinking about what my hands are doing or anything like that. And it feels, you know, the most freeing to do that. But yeah, that th- those kind of songs that really push the envelope, I think those have a special place. Um, you know, like Sam Hunt's done with his songs, like we're good for a while. Like, like you're saying, like Thomas Rhett's done so many, which I, I wish I wrote, you know, Crash and Burn and Vacation, a lot of those other ones, um, just because I've seen his show recently. He's got so many of those that really push um, the envelope and still remain country. Um, I love when that happens just because I think it brings in new fans, new ears, it, it grabs attention. Um, we don't do them all like that. You know, sometimes you're, you're down the middle and just trying to get that thing that will, you know, that 
you know, would get play and, and possibly, you know, have some, not life lessons, so to speak, but some emotional connection in there. Um, so we don't try to go crazy every day, but it's fun to kind of go there and just start trying to trying to rock out and come up with something that maybe we normally normally wouldn't come to the mind, I'd say. Get off of work and we meet down at our spot. We had a panio with a view of a parking lot. It was two for one and four for two at Christmas lights in the middle of June. I hung up like I was on you. I say, hey, hey, baby, do you want to come over? You say, no way, then you're moving closer. Next thing I know, you were in my T-shirt. Right there, your hair, messed up like a Guns N' Roses video. Oh, oh, so I still got it up in my head. You were moving around in the TV line. I ain't ever seen anything like your dress, my floor. With the neighbors saying keep it down <laughs> But it's hard to unlock the door when you're making out I don't think fans overthink it But I think critics and I think radio programmers uh, can and, and I think I'm as guilty of it as, as anybody I remember a couple of months ago uh, on this podcast Talking to Nico Moon Who is somebody who's pushing that envelope And he wants mm-hmm. to His quote was I want to kick the ball down the field a little bit And what he tries yeah, to yeah. You know, he, the music that he makes may not be something that, you know, initially appeals to me, 58-year-old white guy that grew up listening to Van Halen, um, but it's real for him, and it is bringing in, and it, it, he completely changed my mind in the way that he explained about how these are my influences, you know, he's a early 30s guy, and this is who he grew up listening to, and this is what he, bring, and he said, if I do anything less than that or anything other than that, it's not going to be authentic. It's not going to be me. One thing I did ask him was, and I'll ask you too, there is some criticism of some of the, the musical approaches to the songs that, that, that you've written over the years. Do you pay attention to that at all? Nico said, no, absolutely not. He didn't care. Right. Um, no, not unless there's a funny one. You know, sometimes there's things where I'll me and my family will laugh about um, some review from like a almost satirical, you know, what they would say, a country purist that still only listens to Merlin Hank and, you know, uh, things like that that hasn't liked anything that's come out in 15 years. You know, there's those people. I don't, I mean, I'm, I have no social media accounts. I don't see a lot of that. I think that I try to stay as pure in like, hey, I think this is cool and roll with it, you know, as I can. But I understand some of it, you know, because it's pushing the, the boundaries and then I'm, I'm not writing what what I would write if I was in a pop session if I'm in a country session even if it is you know like Nico songs or Thomas's or, or some of the other ones that Sam's people that would would be like oh I'm not sure this is authentic country uh we know that you know what I mean I, I've, I've been fortunate to have some growing George Strait and, and, and people Reba and Leon Womack and people's songs that I know probably have a more you know authentic approach at, 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 at a pure country thing but I feel like if you really, really unpack it, then a lot of that stuff, whether it's Southern Rock or Toy, a lot of those influences, different things have come out. So it's weird. To, it's, it's strange to even try to put your finger on what, what down the middle country, you know, is right now. So I, I don't hear a lot of those criticisms. Again, I write a lot for, you know, with the artist in mind, with the fan in mind, with the live show in mind. I don't um, do a lot of aiming at 
you know, critics or Grammys or whatever, just to be completely honest. And that's, that's fine if you do that. But uh, I'm more interested in, um, you know, the people that are wanting to spend the money and go to the show and, and, and shaking it up to where giving somebody an identity, you know, that I'm working with artist wise or whatever, but I'll always root it in, you know, it's still rooted in a country thing. If it's a, if it's a beat like hard to forget, or if it's a, that's my kind of night uh, type songs that, you know, get some flack and t-shirt and some of those um, Thomas Red things. I, I really feel like those are, different kinds of country songs and if anything all all those kind of things and i definitely don't take a ton of credit for that a lot of people i know that have stretched those boundaries it just brings in new listenership and it can it can kind of be different little genres within the genre i love that i love hearing sam hunt and chris stapleton um you know fgl then parker mccullum like that's what i like but i also like a very varied playlist i noticed my kids do you know the younger they are the, the wilder the playlist um looks you know what i mean so i think doing that within the country uh format is, is a positive is the way i see it I've talked with a lot of songwriters about is the importance of versatility, and and you're a master at that because you write a song like "That's My Kind of Night," but then you write something like "You Should Probably Leave" with Chris Stapleton. Right. You're able to cover that entire bandwidth. Is that like? Do, do you just have a yeah. mood someday where you're more country feeling, and other days where you're like a little more hip hop or whatever? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, not you know that I'm, I'm I've dressed up a certain way or done whatever, but or it's less of a mood and more of just like, Hey, this is the vibe. It's just like, maybe a title speaks to like, Hey, let's try something crazy behind that. Or like, Hey, that's a very authentically country thing to say. What if we flipped, you know, the melody or the groove to something kind of different, but I think it comes from an appreciation of all those forms, you know, like Stapleton is amazing. So are Dan and Shay. So if I can, you know, if I can have both their songs out, then I, I enjoy the fact that I can be compatible with either one. And I love both their albums. So it's like, um, I like being able to stretch like that. I could never sit down and just like, hey, I'm going to write my album for four years in a cabin somewhere and it'd be very, I don't know, one dimensional or anything like that. I just, I just love that I think I can sit in a room with whoever. I try to kind of dissolve into the song and dissolve um, into the artist and give them what I think would be great for them to do. And I, I try to disappear in that. God, right there, dissolve into the song. I mean, th- there's your descriptive powers on full display. Man, <laughs> I love that. I know it ain't all that liberty you should probably leave. I recognize 
I love that, that you, you're not afraid to team up with new songwriters when you can. You write with heavyweights. You write with the Shane McAnellys and the Josh Osborns, but you will also write with younger people. And, and if I remember right, you enjoy learning from them just as much as you enjoy sort of being a mentor or a teacher to them as well. Absolutely, yeah. There's something that somebody, you know, whether they're coming on a athletic court or field, um, you know, if they're 10, 15, 20 years younger, maybe there's some more some new moves that, are, that have come out or there's just a – even a greener, fresher perspective um, without so much thought into it, where they may just say like, hey, here, what about this? And you're like, oh, it's actually great, you know, without overthinking it or, mm-hmm. you know, doing what some people do that have been doing it for, for several years or like trying to figure it out or make it a puzzle. I love, um, I love working with people that we know are talented, you know, raw talent, um, I think triumphs over a lot. And so, yeah, I, I do love, you know, we've got 11 writers side of Taper Music, my publishing company, I've been doing that for about 10 years. Um, Zach Crowell, who just tried to call me while I was talking to you, uh, was the first writer I signed, and he he definitely didn't play by the uh, rules in the book. Doing you know house party and break up in a small town, and body like a back road, and producing hard to forget and all that Sam stuff, a lot of the new Dustin stuff, um, different sounds for Chris Jansen. So many people, Karen Wood that he's that he's worked with, and I think there was something about his rawness and like, well, I like these drums, or I like this mixed with this. I like this Jobro, but I like some electronic drums in there too. Anybody like this? There's something about that, you know, like the raw talent where they're not trying to emulate something or chase something. Um, but a lot of the new writers, you know, the ones that are writing in that manner, um, you know, are really attractive. And I, I love mentoring and I love hearing, you know, what their ideas are, you know. Um, it doesn't need to be my idea at all every time. I love I love hearing their songs. I don't have to be a part of them. I mean, they're, I've got writers, you know, getting more songs you know, cut to me the last few months. I mean, they're, they're really, really knocking out of the park. And that's probably my favorite feeling is feeling like I've coached somebody up without taking any individuality, you know, away from what they bring to the table. Um, just giving them some tricks and, and a little bit of insight into work ethic and everything it takes to make a song stand out to make anybody care. Um, so I think we're doing a good job of that. And I, I am, you know, proud of, of those guys and girls and everything they've been able to accomplish and that they're, you know, all the stuff they've got coming out over the next year or two is, is is really my boy. Shane McAnally says about you, quote, in the room, his gift will not stop. It's like he plugs into a creative life force. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> wow, all right. All right, Shane. He, yeah, that's, 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 that's Shane saying, like, he needs to be quiet every now and then and let me say the lines I'm thinking. <laughs> but uh, he, he's probably a... Uh, no, we, we've, we've had a lot of uh, success together. He's amazing. I do usually go in spurts you know so like i said um a lot of times people will be like okay ready go like i'm supposed to just yell out um the song but it does it does come to me in uh in in waves or in spurts and it could be totally wrong like a lot of times i'll be like oh what if it did this and i'm talking for six minutes and then i'm like you know what delete that none of that 
What if you did this? And I'll, I'll try another thing. And so I, I just don't have a lot of, uh, you know, between the ADD and the just, just needing action to be happening all the time. Um, some people love that. Some people hate that. You know, like Shane and I are compatible with Josh. Um, so many of my writers, you know, enjoy that because it gives them some, some things in the air. You know what I mean? At least something, maybe they grab a hold of two lines. It's like, oh, actually, what if this was a title? And a lot of times people will be like, what did, what did you say right there? Did you say this? And I'm like, no, but that sounds really good. I'm glad you heard that, you know, in whatever I was saying. There's something about keeping the train rolling that I really believe in, um, if that makes sense. And more trial and error and less, you know, less overthinking and then take the rest of the session to figure out if it's perfect or not and how to make it um, that way. But no, that, that's super nice, Shane. And we, you know, sometimes I get on a roll. Sometimes it's the wrong roll. And sometimes, uh, sometimes we nail it that way. But I do like to work. I love starting songs. I don't enjoy finishing songs in complete honesty. I would rather start 10 than finish one. Um, but it just doesn't work that way. Uh, just because, because there's constant new life, like, Oh my gosh, let's go. Let's go. I love binge writing in, you know, where we're trying to do three or four songs in a day before we go to bed, a 16 hour day. Like I, I would prefer it be like that, like nonstop days and then, and then days off. Um, so nine to five is a little tr- tricky for me sometimes. Sometimes I feel like I'm just getting warmed up about the time the session's over. Um, so I do love, you know, riding on the road or having camps at my house where we all, um, you know, basically we're going to stay up till two riding. We're going to get up the next day and do it again. And we're going to get the best stuff we can for that two or three day stretch. So I definitely have a tendency to ramble on, you know, like I am now a little bit in the room just because I have so much that hits my head at once. It's like, let me get all this out real quick. And then you guys can, can pick it apart. You know what I mean? And then I can, I get to spit it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, and another part to what Shane said is you are great for writers with ADD, which you, which you said. Yeah. I enjoy seeing the song through from beginning to end in one fail swoop, if that makes any sense. And then going back and being like, okay, what if we said this here instead of like writing top down, you know what I mean? Um, I like starting with the vibe or the track or the idea or a chorus, you know, thought, or at least some lyric that we, that I know stands out and then build around that. And uh, yeah, I do like to write on a, you know, on a mic, hot mic, uh, that's recording. There's something very freeing to that where I'm not even writing it down, just spitting out everything that, you know, trying to work faster than my brain can go just so, just in case I say something, you know, cool that I don't have time to, to think through before it comes out. You know, I think there's a lot of that. There's a lot of, you know, first part of the session, I turn my brain off and the second part, I turn it back on and try to now make this make sense, whatever we're talking about. Is it a little bit like uh, comedy improv? Oh, I'm sure that sounds like, that honestly sounds like the scariest thing in the world. But yes, it's like comedy improv without an audience there, which would be the best kind. But like, um, when you go, what, opinion, you know? yeah, but when you go to an improv show, like my, my daughter worked at an improv place in LA for a few years, went down and saw it. And it was like 90 minutes. And of the 90 minutes, three were funny. But the three that right, were right, funny right. were really funny. And you could see where they would take the other 87 minutes, toss it out. And that three minutes could be turned into, you know, a skit on Saturday Night Live or a, or a TV yeah, pilot that, or that's, even that's a movie. A perfect, yeah, a movie. Yeah, that, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the three minutes of an improv session that could actually make an entire movie. That's like one of the best ways I've heard it said. Because if we, you know, stumble into those things, we're like, oh, my gosh, this could be huge. We could do this. And then we take it over here and do this. But it's definitely the first, you know, hour or however long, multiple hours of just kind of shotgunning out those ideas, getting everything you know, out of your head, trying to find the hook and find the, find the melody. Um, and I like to do that quick just cause it kind of, it's just kind of more fun, you know, to just kind of race through it there for a little while. So 
I learned to write fast early on so I could come home and coach a kids basketball and so i could just get out of there and get back you know <laughs> direct games and things like that so i, I kind of held on to that trade and you know that said I, i've taken two or three sessions sometimes to get a to get a song finished so it's not like i write them in 30 minutes or anything like that but i do love that that the magic part is always that like oh when you just find it a little bit accidentally a little bit on purpose when you feel like you've nestled into what the thought is and the melodic content and the structure is um is definitely my favorite part of it all right, I want to ask you about some some uh, specific songs, and just just go ahead and, yeah. and freestyle riff away. Um, yeah, you should be here. I love the story behind that. First of all, that was actually written after you texted your daughter. Yeah, yeah, that was a, uh, and this happens a lot, right? Like a, like something will happen, but then the song ends up being about something different. My daughter loves music. She's actually a senior in high school now. She was not back then. Um, probably in middle school, but she loves country concerts and stuff. And I was out there in Foxborough Stadium. Cole was opening for Luke Bryan. I've been fortunate enough to work with both those guys. And it was a huge, you know, playing those stadiums is just wild to, to really see when you go to a show like that, it makes you, it makes me and a lot of people I know try harder in the room. Cause it's like, man, there's say 60 thousand people coming out to, to see this thing. Let's give them, let's give these people our best stuff. You know what I mean? Like they deserve it. They're, they're paying to come out here. We want them to have the best time they can. Um, just as an aside, but like, yeah, in that, in that moment, um, I kind of sent her a picture from wherever I walk around. I can't sit still. So I'll walk around the, the arena. If we're in an amphitheater, I walk back to the lawn seats and all the way to the pit and over here at front of the house. And I like to, to keep on the move. It drives people crazy, but I like to kind of walk around and experience it from all angles. If I'm at a show and I just taken a picture of it and just said that I uh, just texted her, you should be here. And then I was like, Oh shoot. And then it kind of clicked that that could be a bigger, bigger thought told that to Cole. And we wrote that, you know, really, really late on his bus that night on a little, you know, a little keyboard in my lap, um, just the two of us. And it was just a special time. You know, one of those, but sometimes God gives you gifts there. And when something like that pops up and then that song, again, melody, everything, piano lick, all that kind of happened at once in that song. And it's a really special song. You know, Cole's been through it, um, losing his dad and his mom. Mm-hmm. Sometimes songs like that aren't like your automatic thought for a single. It ended up being the name of the album, the first single. Um, and it's really fun when you write a personal song and you don't take any of that out of it. You know what I mean? You don't, don't try to write around it and make it more generic and yet it can apply to everybody's situation it's perfect outside it's like god let me dial up the weather got the whole crew here i ain't seen some of them in forever it's one of those never forget it better stop and take it in kind of scenes everything's just right Except for one thing You should be here Standing with your arm around me here Cutting up, cracking a cold beer Saying cheers Hey y'all, it's sure been a good year It's one of those moments It's got your name written all over it And you know that if I had just one wish It'd be that you didn't have How about Sand in My Boots, the new one for uh, Morgan Wallen? Oh, yeah, man. Time. That's a beautiful song and a beautiful melody. What's the story behind that? No, thanks. Yeah, that was a, um, you know, I feel like our days, 
you know, writers like me have our days split up into like, okay, you're aiming at something specific or you're actually writing with the artist, helping them find direction for their next project, or you're just trying to be- write the best song in the room that day and you don't really know who it's for until it's over. Um, so this was one of those days. And those days are getting fewer and fewer. You know, the busier we get and the more that people invite you into their, you know, into, to be a part of their project and actually try to try to help them find their way through that project. But this was a day, uh, first time, Hardy, who's definitely one of the best writers in the town the last, I mean, ever. Um, I'm having really, uh, really good songs with him right now. And he's, he's a great writer. He's really, really fast. And uh, we can get on a roll together. So he comes over and, you know, him and Hunter Phelps and Ben Johnson come over and they fish and kayak and then get out and write another song and then go do something else country up in the back of the property, cook some shrimp on a tailgate or do whatever. It's a really fun thing. We do some uh, periodic camps over here for that. But both those guys are brilliant. So I was like, okay, wow. A lot of times it's a, you know, an artist or producer or maybe one top liner, but it was actually three, three people that are all pretty well versed at, uh, at lyric and melody. And so Hardy had the idea for that song, um, which is a great concept. And then that song, like I said a minute ago, it's strange, but that, that title made me think of whatever I played on the piano, which is close to, you know, close to the way it is right now. Um, you know, which happens a lot. It's just a certain emotion comes with it. So I start kind of filtering out that emotion. And we just started running with that one. I mean, it was just a couple hours on a day. I know we were, we were finished for, you know, two or three hours. And that song has no demo. We didn't take it beyond a voice demo work tape of Hardy singing it and me playing um, whatever keyboard was in Josh's office, you know. So those are special. Those don't happen probably as much as they used to. But that one, I was like, oh, who could do this? I don't know. We talked about it. And then Hardy was like, I'll send it to Morgan. And Morgan is very decisive and knows what he wants. And he's like, okay, I'm recording that. And we're like, okay. Now, as a writer, you take that with a grain of salt and be like, yeah, I bet you are. We'll wait and see. And sure enough, um, you know, he recorded that. Even with it still kind of being a ballad, I thought, man, this is probably going to be the last track on the album, whatever. Um, I didn't realize the album came out. It was the first track and had no clue that it would actually be um, a single. But I've gotten so much, you know, positive feedback from that song. Um, that it was it really blew all of us away. So we're we're proud of that one. That's that's not a you know, I didn't go through that story or anything like that. I think we were just trying to write that one as well as we could to that title and uh and you know, that's what happened. So he recorded it right off the the terrible little voice memo um that we pitched it with uh, from my phone. So yeah, songs like that are are gifts as well, you know, just like a story that kinda comes to your mind that you like you're just narrating and jotting down um that one was really fun she asked me where i was from i said somewhere you never been to little town outside of knoxville heading by some dogwood trees she tried talking with my accent we held hands and waited into that blue water she left her flip-flops by my red wings on the beach yeah but now i'm dodging potholes in my sunburned silverado like a heartbroken desperado headed right back to my roots something about the way she kissed me tells me she loves eastern tennessee some sand in my boots yeah, I said let's go shoot tequila so we walked back to that beach bar she 
said, don't care, boys, drink whiskey. <laughs> so we drank by themselves. She said, damn, that sky looks perfect. I said, girl, The story um, about today for Brad Paisley, which was a top ten for him, is pretty remarkable because that song stat- sat around for a long time and was was basically forgotten. Give, give us the background on that. But yeah, Brad, uh, we were trying to write a ballad. I think I was kind of brought in because I played piano a little bit and we were working on that song today and we ended up pivoting from that and writing that song uh, uh, then. I thought I, I thought I Loved You Then, which is a little bit more of a um, you know true love song or whatever. And that one kind of ended up raising its hand of those two at the time. Well, I Trying not to stare the night that I first met you. You had me mesmerized. And three weeks later, in the front porch light, taking 45 minutes to kiss goodnight, I hadn't told you yet. But I thought I loved you then. Now you're my whole life. Now you're my Like a river meets the sea, stronger than it's ever been. We've come so far since that day, and I thought I loved you then. But we put a lot of work in on, on that one on today, back then also. But then, you know, another album or two go by, and, uh, and Brad kind of scoop that one back up. I'm like, oh, what's this? Let me check this out. I guess it was on his laptop or on whatever he keeps up with songs and uh we'd gotten really wordy on it when we were writing it so we trimmed it up kind of trimmed the fat and played it down and really liked it and it ended up being a sentiment that he wanted to that he wanted to say it so we tweaked it a little bit and he and he put it out so yeah that's that's a rare case where we're going for something you know and kind of wrote two and then came back to one of them i know it won't always be like this Life can change as quick as a kiss It's not over yet and I already miss Today I don't know about tomorrow But right now the whole world is back around now usually it's hard you know there's a little shelf life a little bit everybody in town's heard it maybe it was a close call and nobody nobody bit on it but uh, sometimes uh the songs are timeless enough to kind of you know withstand that test of time and somebody somebody ends up doing it putting it out a few years later 
You've written a lot with Carrie Underwood from the very beginning of her career. Talk about her. I, I think people think of her as a great vocalist. Obviously, she's a beautiful family oh my gosh. person, all this and that. But she, I, I remember talking to Brett James several episodes ago, and he was talking about how she has evolved as a songwriter and as a, as a creative person. She's more than just a pretty voice and uh, you know, face. She she has some talent there too. Talk a little bit about that. Oh man, yeah, that that's that's really interesting. I uh, you know, I didn't when Carrie was doing the gospel album and the Christmas album and even her last um, Crap Pretty album. I didn't I didn't work on that probably because she's tired of seeing me. I, I got to work on her first several, um, but I actually got to work with her super recently, and was it's funny that uh, you said Brett said that because I was actually in all I got really stuck. I was trying to come up with some lines in the session where we were, we were writing together, you know, with Carrie and, um, and she definitely got us out of the jam two or three times in this song where I was like, gosh, I cannot think of anything to say right here. She's like, Oh, we said this. And I was like, what? That's crazy. You know, like, yeah, that's exactly right. Let's go on. Let's move on. And so she, she definitely knows, you know, the, the more somebody like that, she probably started out trying to figure out the writing process, but then has, uh, you know, brought ideas into the room, knows what she likes, what she doesn't. And, uh, and what she wants to say and what she doesn't want to say and can really come up with a lot of the more important lines um, in these songs to get you from A to B. And so I've, I've literally experienced that uh, in the past couple of days and just reminded of how great she was and how insane of a singer and, uh, and what a vibe, you know, that she, you know, she is in what a talent she is overall and just being reminded of the amount of songs and, and how much she has left to say and everything that's coming up. So I'm really excited about trying to work on um you know, some of her new stuff. But yeah, she was my first hit. Don't forget to remember me. It was my first song to go number one. Also my first song to go to the top 40. 18 years had come and gone. For mama, they flew by. But for me, they drug on and on. We were loading up that Chevy boat, trying not to cry. Mama kept on talking, putting off goodbye. And she took my hand and said, Baby, don't forget. Before you hit the highway, you better stop for gas. And there's a 50 in the ashtray in case you run short on cash. Here's a map and here's a Bible. Yeah, I remember that happened uh, on my daughter's second birthday back in uh, 2006, um, and so that was that was the first thing where I pitched a song. We kind of rattled around the record label for a little while. Found, you know, she ended up winning Idol, and that became her second single. And that's just that's what it's all about. That, that is so magic. I, I literally, it usually doesn't happen that way. Where you're watching somebody on TV and you say, you know, out loud into the room, like I have to figure out how to get a song on her. I want to hear her singing one of my songs, and then it actually. 
but you've been more than generous with your time. You've got like all these hits that I want to ask you about, but if I did, we'd be here oh, for go ahead, th- do whatever. three days. <laughs> um, so I'll just do a, a, a couple more and, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. It's just one of my personal favorites. And I will be totally honest. This was a song. First couple of times I heard it. I thought this is one of the dumbest songs I've ever heard. And now <laughs> kick the dust up is just, th- that's, oh, goodness. to me, that is a song that is a perfect example of don't overthink it. Right. I mean, yes, not overthink it, but we also, there's so much about that song that we hadn't heard done before. And it's the same combo, uh, Chris Stefano and Dallas Davidson and myself. They and ended and up, I, I, I hope know. I didn't insult you by saying it was one of the, I thought it was. No, I, no, no. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I've got well, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not a brilliant piece of, you know, <laughs> but, but it's funny. A lot, a lot of people will be like, oh man, and act like, like, oh man, I bet you, you know, like, well, I bet you're not proud of this one or whatever when it comes to songs like that. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I've never heard anybody else be able to. I mean, that that was a huge song. It was a hit so fast, that one. And that's my kind of night kind of, um, you know, we're cousins of each other a little bit. We we already pushed mm-hmm. the envelope like crazy on that's my kind of night. So we got back together and said, okay, how do we do that again? But different. Up a little catfish dinner Gonna sound like a winner When I lay you down and love you right Yeah, that's my kind of night And um, really, in the back of my mind I was thinking, like, this is not gonna happen But we just kept trying weird things Weird guitar parts, strange rhythms And just kind of landed on that on that hook And that's just a fun day Where that, that really is us auditioning stuff on the mic Saying crazy stuff back and forth But again, um, at the end of the day Making sure the melodies are interesting you know that that the lyric, not that it's like trying to say a lot, but that it has some uh, some lines you never heard in there before. Uh, same with that's my kind of night. So yeah, those are fun because we need those, right? They all can't be you know miss your hometown ballads or things like that. I actually think fun formal up tempos are pretty tough, but people need those every now and then, just like you need a Netflix show or you need to just watch the show and and not have to think too much. Kick the dust up. show both of those and uh yeah that one was so fun just trying to even remember that right it went so quick and was so weird but when we got uh when we got finished with it and played it back i'm like man i dig that i love that you know so i always 
when people are like, oh, but you, you know, what about kick the dust up or something like that? And I'm like, man, what about it? People are still asking for another <laughs> one of those, you know? Um, and, yeah. And again, and, and then what you can't do, you know, when somebody says like, oh, I need a, a fill in the blank or this, like, well, we did that, but we can try to do something fun, you know, or whatever. But those are definitely one of the kind of songs that I'm, I'm proud to be a part of both of those, um, all the Luke stuff, but specifically those two. Um, and that kind of comes back to when you ask about critics and things like that. It's like, it depends on what your goal is, right? I don't, I don't think that song was trying to win a Grammy, but I think it was, uh, it was meant that it served its purpose, you know, and just getting people to have a good time, staying, uh, you know, just like you said, simple enough and repeatable enough, and also kind of introducing some wild, wild little pieces of music in there. Um, so those are so fun. I just think it makes us all thinking back, back about those kind of writing sessions. Some of those songs that aren't about anything, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of once in lifetime songs. What is a song that you really feel great about? Uh, just personally, like, like it, it, you, you either, I don't know, nailed it emotionally or you just are super proud of, of just everything about it, how it turned out. Do you, is, is there one or a handful that uh, spring to mind? Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, I, I get proud for different reasons and, uh, and not, not in a cocky way at all. Like, like we discussed earlier, I never think I'm like, Oh, I can do this great. Or I'm the reason this happened. I, I, I do not think like that. But there are several times where I've hope, hopefully helped an artist get from a opening act to a headliner with the level of song, you know, that we have. Sometimes there's been perfect marriages of songs like, um, wrote song dirt on my boots had no idea who it was for i didn't even know that john party took out that song and he his version of it was so different from the demo and so perfect and uh that was like a fun up tempo that was actually still up for like cma song of the year and stuff so that one we're really proud of and it um you know it's lasted a long time i know um it sounds great you know in john's set he, he was a vocalist that i really wanted to have a song on because he puts a great singer but i didn't know it was gonna be that one i didn't know how it could happen been up since the crack of dawn just trying to get paid Been hotter than a hundred suns I can't find no shade Just two more rows and I'm good to go Yeah, I'm shutting this tractor down Give me a half an hour for a shave and a shower And I'll be outside your house Might have a little dirt on my boots But I'm taking you uptown tonight Might have a little mud on my wheels But they gonna shine with you up inside Gonna hit the club, gonna cut a rug, burn it up like neon lights. Might have a little dirt on my boots, but we're gonna dance the dust right off them tonight. Yeah. Got a little dirt on my boots. And so there's a lot of magic moments like that. The songs that I relate to, you know, kids are big part of my life we just took one to college and I've got a senior in high school and I've got an eighth grader and so looking back on songs like you're going to miss this or remember you young um are always going to hold a special place you know I feel like country is the only genre where you can just write a song about your kids growing up or missing your you know missing your parents or talking to God or driving through your hometown it's what sets country music apart you know is the subject matter more than a you know we, we've made a lot of progressions and, and different different sounds and cadences and rhythms and chords and voicings and things like that. But as far as the root of country music, it, it has the ability to have those type of subjects. And so um, when I think about those kind of songs, like you're going to miss this, remember you young, I lived it by Blake Shelton, um, country again, Thomas Rhett, like a lot of those where I get, I get texts from people maybe I haven't talked to in a while. That's like, dude, I heard this song. Like this is literally exactly how I grew up or this, this made me, you know, think about my kids. This made me, 
you know, take this slower or this making me think about my kids when they were younger and they've all grown up now. Those, those kind of things are really, you know, at the end of the day, why I like, uh, enjoy being able to be a part of it and feel, you know, like what we do can matter. The Thomas Red song again was a gift to remember you young mm-hmm. song for him. I remember him, him and Dick Frazier and I were just on the back of a bus. Uh, we actually tried to do it a few different ways and finally we nailed the way it should go. Um, and just thinking about, you know, God remembering us as kids and all the, there's a lot of threads, you know, kind of running through that song that, that it touches on. And I, I really, I really love that. I've never heard that angle before. And that was a, another gift. Hey, babies, crawling on the carpet. No, you won't be that little for long. One day you'll move away, but you're still gonna stay this innocent after you're gone. I lived it where that song for Blake um, again never thought it would ever be a single when he said he was going to record it I was like oh wow that's awesome it's the last song on the album so good luck ever anybody ever hearing it and then it ended up being a single daddy drove the wheels off a flatbed Ford flies found a hole in the old screen door granny said the dress that my sister wore to church wasn't long enough Mama poured grease in a Crisco can, put a hundred thousand miles on a Sears box fan. Uncle Joe put tobacco on my hand where them yellow jackets tore me up. And I ain't making this up. Oh, you think I'm talking crazy in a different language you might not understand. Oh, that's all the kind of life that made me who I am Just taking my mind on a visit Back in time cause I miss it You wouldn't know to love it Like I love it Unless you lived it The man I lived it So I'm really happy uh, for Happy for the kick the dust up And that's my kind of night Uh but, you know, obviously when it all boils down to have a few of those that hit people in the heart and can actually make them rethink, um, hoping their kids grow up faster or, or wish time would, would escape them, but actually trying to slow down and take it in is something I need to listen to myself, but, but the fact that that can affect people um, makes us feel really, really fortunate. 
as yeah. songwriters. So those are those are those moments that we we definitely cherish. Well, you're going to miss this. Was I, I made a dad video? We've got three kids; they're all graduated now. And the middle one, when he graduated, that was the uh, song I used for the, the the video montage of his life that we played for everybody, and everybody bawled their eyes out. So thank you. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Now, I'm assuming you registered that and paid the four hundred dollars. Yes, absolutely. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm yes. just kidding. No, 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 no. There's nothing I got. But it's funny. Just flip it. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Listen, can you send me three hundred? Um, no, that's good. like even even to know that I, I've been at a couple of uh, like slideshows or even funerals, which is a terrible thing to say, but just a few things where where we've been, I've been able to be a part of that soundtrack of that moment, like graduation, and I'm just kind of sitting there in the crowd, being like, "This is kind of cool." Like I'm I'm glad this served this purpose. You know what I mean? Of this moment to be the soundtrack for those life moments. I think that's what we all want, whether it's a Friday night, um, you know, concert, or it's a, a sad time, a happy time, a wedding. Um, funeral, a show, uh, graduation, whatever it is. As writers, that's what we really want to do is be able to help mark those moments, you know, for people. Oh, sure. And, but um, at the same time, I hope that you yeah. consider this this podcast, uh, uh, me paying the balance off in full. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody's <laughs> coming after you. You're good. She was staring out the window of their SUV. Complaining, saying I can't wait to turn 18 She said I'll make my own money And I'll make my own rules Mama put the car in park out there in front of the school And she kissed her head And said I was just like you You're gonna miss this You're gonna want this back Days. Hadn't gone by so fast These are some good times So take a good look around You may not know it now But you're gonna miss this If there are new songwriters listening Somebody who, you know, just figured out That you can make a living at songwriting yeah. What advice would you give them in one minute or less? Yeah, I mean, I was in Nashville for a year or two before I figured out you could have this gig and not be able to read music or have to be a great singer and just have this gift and, and can work hard at it and try to get songs out. So I think you can find mentors. I had them. I think when you have a great mentor, then you you automatically probably in turn want to be one. And if you're in college, intern. If not, hang out at these writer rooms, these writer nights, you know, that Nashville fortunately has and SAI and ASCAP and everything that can kind of help you. you got to be around it. You know, I always tell people, move here if you're serious. Move to Nashville if you want to be part of that um, community and find mentors. Don't be afraid to seek them out. You know what I mean? People want to mentor. People that are successful were almost all, I would say all, uh, mentored. And when, when you've had a great mentor, then you want to be one. That's the natural progression. And that's, that's definitely my highest uh, point now is, is having signing somebody that hasn't, you know, written a great song at all and has a handful of good ones and takes them all the way to where they get a couple of number ones and they're actually on, on the track to being the next, you know, writer of the year or, or award winner, whatever that is, or that they get to do that for a living and never have to get a real job. That's really, really important. So yeah, anybody, anybody that's trying to do it, I moved to Nashville, didn't know a person in the state of Tennessee. Um, and a lot of magic has been able to happen just with perseverance and hard work. And then I'm for everybody. I mean, there's no guarantee, right? But, um, I definitely kept my head down for seven years with no hits at all while I had a publishing deal and then things started to happen. So patience, um, thick skin, 
and a big heart, I think, will get you get you a lot of places. Ashley Gorley, thank you so much for taking time. This has yeah, been man. a master class. Just awesome to listen to you. Yeah, thank you, man. No problem. Appreciate you. And kick the dust up. <laughs> kick it up, man. <laughs> but you're going to miss me. Thanks again to Ashley Gorley. And next month, a songwriter who hasn't just written some of the greatest country songs ever recorded. He's also done the scores for some of TV's biggest shows and written a few memorable theme songs, too. Songwriter Hall of Fame Class of 2018 member Steve Dorff, next time on Write You a Song.